Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Hey, have you ever wondered what people actually think about missions, what questions they have? What about the people that are in your pew? Today on The Scent Life, we have a chance to really hear some questions from people who are curious about God's mission, what it means, and what God's will is for their life. Welcome to The Scent Life. Hey, Keelan, what's up? Hey, Scott, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Today is a great day at the Scent Life. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Today is different from any Scent Life we've ever had. That's right. Are you ready? Yeah, this is a new one for us. That's right. So today, the Scent Life is with a live studio audience, and they're here right in the studio. Let's hear it with our live audience. There you go. Today, we kick off our Go Conference. Yeah, that's right. So who we've got in the room right now. Uh, so Southeastern has our annual Go Conference, and it is happening this weekend. That's when we're recording this. And we have a pre-conference that occurs before the Go Conference. And in the room are a handful of churches and right. groups of people from those churches who have come here for that pre-conference. And we thought it would be a great idea to include them in this recording of Ascent Life. I think they came for the pizza and the cookies, but you can that say may be they right. came for the pre-conference if you want to. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, so what we want to do today is, you know, normally on, on the podcast, we do an interview with mm-hmm. uh, authors, or we do an interview with uh, some individuals, or we talk about a topic. But today, uh, we've got some some college students, uh, we've got some folks from different churches here, and we thought this would be kind of like a stump the professor, ask you anything yeah. type of moment. And so, we just want to give the folks here a chance to ask some questions about uh, missions. Now, this is you and me flying Without a net. No, that's absolutely right. We have no idea what these people. We are don't know ask. what the questions are going to be, and so if somebody gets stumped, I'm going to punt to Keelan because <laughs> I'm the senior faculty member. There here. you go. There you All go. All right. Uh, so if you're listening to us right now, so one of our purposes in doing this, the realization hit us. We've got a room full of people that are here for the Go Conference, but they're also uh, a large portion of them are college students or or young adults in their church, and we thought, man, it would be great, since so many pastors and church leaders listen to our podcast, for us to say, what would the questions be? So if you're a pastor listening to this, or maybe you're even a missionary who is overseas, and you help your church back at home mobilize young adults, uh, here's an opportunity for you to hear some of the real questions they may be asking. Uh, So that's kind of the theme for today, and that's why we're doing an Ask Me Anything. There you go. So first question. Right over here, we've got a hand. Those of you who are listening, you can't see, but there's a hand up over here on the side. How are we going to do this? Just exactly like that, that. I think. Okay, here we go. Question number one. All right, my question would be, you know, coming from a a small local church with uh, one staff pastor and really just a handful of lay leaders, and and we've done outreaches largely inspired by, like, Radical by David Platt, you know, Mm -hmm. like local outreaches trying to meet physical needs in order to give the gospel Mm -hmm. to meet spiritual needs. But we also have a heart for global missions, right. um, and you know we we um, support uh, IMB missionaries uh, as well as local pastors in India. So, so my question is, how do we deal with that tension of local outreach for the gospel in our community to those who are impoverished and in need, but then also wrestle with the tension of equipping and going globally uh, when there's such a great need in both areas? 
Yeah, that's a great, great question. Phenomenal question, actually. Yeah. So there, the tension kind of comes in a couple areas, if I understand what you're saying. First is just kind of the financial and time restraint. You can't do it all. And then the other is that the pressing needs of your community are outside your door. And those are the ones that get your attention. How do you remember, think about, and in, invest your energy there? You know, I'm, I'm often reminded of the, um, the missionary saying that the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home which means that uh, we're not necessarily ignoring the missionary effort when we focus our attention on reaching our community with the gospel, right. uh, extending the needs of our community. Those, those events can, if, if you lead right, actually awaken the awareness of your people that, hey, there are other needs out there. And so we can say, hey, here are some needs and there are some as well. And so we want to balance on both sides. So let me kind of think of one second thing I would say is that it's going to come from the pulpit and your leadership, right? As you're preaching, you're reminding your congregation that there is a big world out there that has a desperate need for the gospel and that we as a church have a responsibility to take the gospel to those who are the furthest away from Jesus. At the same time, you don't have the responsibility by yourself to reach right. the world, but you are the church in your community. So we can't just neglect the community that God has placed us in in order to jump over them and go somewhere else. One of the beauties of being part of the Southern Baptist Convention is our cooperative effort, which means that a church like yours, a church like any church, no matter how big it is, can have a ministry that literally reaches around the world, and we cooperate together to make sure that your church can have a ministry that reaches into the nations of the world. It also allows you as a pastor to stand up and say, to your congregation with a clear conscience. If God's called you to missions, you can say yes, and our church will participate in sending you because of what you give to the cooperative program, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. That means that your church can send anybody who says yes to whatever mission field God calls them to. Yeah, I think that's, there's very little I would add to what Scott just said. There's a couple of, couple of things that I wholeheartedly agree with here. Maybe my only thing that I'd add is, uh, it's easy for churches, a local church, to develop some weird form of missional myopia. Now, what do I mean by myopia? That's, a, that's an eye vision term, right? So churches tend to, if they're not careful, lean either nearsighted or farsighted when it comes to their understanding of the Great Commission and their responsibility to it, right? And you'll often see churches that think of themselves as really missions-minded, and they've got their eyes always on like whatever's happening way out there, and it doesn't count as missions unless we're getting on an airplane to do it, right? If you're stuck in a far-sighted view, you're overlooking the community that's in front of you, right? The reverse can happen as well, though, right. if we're not careful, right? And oftentimes, I see this in a, a lot of our like young, trendier church plants mm. that are a bit of a reaction, perhaps, to the old idea of missions-minded that say, no, no, we need to start a church for our city. That's not bad language. That's good language, as long as it's not just for your city, right? right. Like, that church is called to go from here to the ends of the earth. Uh, and, man, lean into the fact that no single church can reach its city, let alone the world. Right. Uh, Christ has set his church up as little outposts, little fellowships of people all over the world. And we cooperate together for the sake of the Great Commission. And it allows us to do crazy things like 
our limited, our limited resources over here and their limited resources can put a person from our church and a person from that church together on a team and send them to the right. nations. And by being able to do that, we can, we can avoid the myopia. Right. Good. Great question. Next. Yes, sir. So this is a two-part question. Okay. First one, pretty simple. Have you guys ever lived on overseas missions? Yes. Yeah. What was your experience with that? We loved it. <laughs> yeah, so I lived, uh, so my wife and I took our two kids, they were three and five, and we were, we left South Alabama and went and lived first in Berlin, and then we lived in Istanbul, Turkey, mm-hmm. for about a decade uh, before God called us back here. Yeah, so I was, I went single, actually, so I went initially as a journeyman with the International Mission Board. I was born and raised out in the cow pasture in the middle of Tennessee, and uh, wound up moving to West Africa and served as a, a church planter there uh, among a Muslim people group, an unreached people group there, and uh, served there for a number of years before I landed back here at the seminary. And it was probably the hardest and best experience of my life when it came to understanding the Great Commission. In a great. Way. Yeah. yeah, we loved it. So that really leads me to the, my main question, which is how do you approach unreached people groups Let's say today you're smacked right in the center of India. Right. And there's no Christian right. around you. Where do you start? So, yeah, where do you start? So, the que- it's a great question. It so, is a good question, yeah. So, how do you start with an unreached people group? So, first, for definitions, right, an unreached people group would be defined uh, as a group of people um, with less than, uh, you know, 2% are, are believers, no kind of church planting, Kind of, no one is doing anything. Maybe a handful of Christians, if any. Odds are you don't meet them when you end up somewhere. So what do you do first? So I think there, I think the the steps are straightforward, but not simple. Right. The first thing that you have to do is you have to meet people, which means that you learn a language and you get out in the community and you just start meeting people. You do that in a prayerful stance of asking God to open the door of community or open the door of relationship so that somebody is responding back to you. The little book you've got on your table is a book that I wrote with a friend of mine about evangelism. And one of the, one of the analogies that we use is kind of the analogy of, of you. It's like you're playing ping pong, right? You hit the ball and then you're waiting on someone else to hit it back. And so that's what you're doing when you're in missionary work, right? You're hitting the ball. You're serving in the community. You're meeting people. You're going to restaurants and talking to people. If you show up in an unreached people group as an American, somebody at some point is going to say, why are you here? And then you have a, an answer to the question that's not overly confrontational, that shuts it down. You come up with an answer that is uh, inquisitive. People would say, well, tell me more about that, and you can kind of get in a conversation. That's like hitting this ping pong ball, and you wait on them to hit it back. And so you're going you know, back and forth as that relationship grows. And over time, the more people that you're engaged with that way, then you're trusting God is going to open a door for evangelism. You share the gospel. At some point, maybe somebody trusts Christ. And so it's kind of this step-by-step process. It's more complex than what you would do at your school or in your neighborhood, but it's not different from what you would do in your school or your neighborhood. It's the same types of steps that you're meeting people uh, and learning. Now, that then obviously you rewind way back. You've got to learn a language. You've got to find a place to live. So the kind of the logistics have to take place. But the basics of that evangelistic and missional ministry are about as straightforward as anything else that you're going to do. The complexity of it 
you know, worldview and language and all that. That's just part of being a missionary. So scripture talks a lot in like seed sowing language, right? Uh, And I think there's something instructive in in that language for us. In fact, we had a recent episode of the podcast where we talked a bit about using the gospel itself Mm -hmm. as a filter when we're first making relationships. And so by being able to sow that message broadly, when you get to a new place, maybe I don't have a lot of relationships yet, but I know that my reason to be here is so that I can make disciples in this place using the gospel on the front end of relationship development mm-hmm. instead of the back end of it. Cause that's right. how we tend to do it here in the States, right? Like let's get to know somebody really well so that we might be able to share the gospel with them. You, you can actually flip that on its head and throw the gospel at the front end of relationship development. And then a fascinating thing starts to happen in, in a lot of places. You'll see who's interested and right. who might not really be interested. And then those who are become your first opportunities to begin engaging in a discipleship relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Yeah, no doubt. Next, who else has a question? Yes, ma'am. So my question is, what would be your advice on how to discern where God is calling you on the map? That's a great question. Where is God calling you on the map? Keelan, I went first the last two times. You go first this time. I I like deferring to the agent experience on the panel. I think there's, this is is one of those questions that I think you can answer from about a thousand different directions. Uh, but it's super important questions. In fact, one we've all got to answer at some point, right? I think God's called all of us to Great Commission ministry. We're all supposed to go and make disciples. The question's how and where, right? Uh, two or three helps for you. Uh, one, prayerful instruction from Scripture about the mission, right? Stay in close communion with God. Abide in Christ. And the closer you draw into Him, the clearer you understand His heart. That's just how that works. In addition to that, we're not isolated Christians, right? We're not free-floating individuals out there that are just supposed to figure all this stuff out on our own. God has not just saved us out of something. He saved us into something. And he's put us in a part of a community and fellowship that can help us answer some of those tough questions about ourselves. Uh, When I went to the field, uh, I went to Africa to serve as an IMB missionary, not because I had this like struck by lightning experience that said, God wants you to move overseas, and it's to Africa. Instead, for me, I fell in love with the ministry of my local church, wound up serving in collegiate leadership in my church, and the more I got involved in what God was doing in our church, our church got involved in Africa. And we hit a point where we needed somebody to go and serve there long term to keep facilitating the work we were doing. And specifically, we needed somebody who was a single guy and already had some theological education. And I was the guy in the church that fit the bill. And so my church actually helped guide me toward my calling. Uh, So I I think there's a number of ways you get there. I think some people have a struck by lightning experience. I think others, uh, a lot of it comes just through leaning into the word, leaning into and abiding in Christ, and then leaning into your church and the way that you serve there. Yeah, that's great. I cannot um, undersell the reality and the significance of the fact that God will lead you. Mm. Right. Sometimes we're like, how do I find God's will as if God has it hidden somewhere? And we're playing a game of hide and seek, ready or not, here I come. And we're trying to walk around kicking over rocks. But the amazing thing that I've discerned over the years is that God will make that clear. In fact, the Bible Mm. says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. What that verse doesn't mean is that if you say that you love God a whole bunch, then you can say, and by the way, I want that red Ferrari over there too. (laughs) What it means instead is that as you delight yourself in the Lord, 
your desires of your heart are shaped by delighting yourself in him, which means he gives you the desires of your heart. And when he gives you those desires, then he's leading you in that direction. Then to Keelan's point, the the, the opportunities begin to show up. The door starts open. Suddenly you're like, God, I want to be a missionary, but I'm just not sure where. So you begin to pray, God, I want to be a missionary. I'm not sure where. And then all of a sudden you could suddenly make friends with people from a certain country. And like, right. whoa, look, there's all of these people from this country. I never even knew that country was existed. Now I'm here. I'll eat their food. I'll learn a few words. And suddenly it's like, I think this is where God's leading me to be a missionary. Or you watch a, a television. My wife and I, you know, when we first um, were, were going overseas as missionary, we thought we would go somewhere to a Spanish-speaking country because she had studied Spanish in school, and I was from Alabama, so we barely studied English in school. <laughs> but um, but as we looked at that, it just there was nothing in a Spanish-speaking country, and so we didn't have a clue, right? We didn't know anything about people groups. And then all of a sudden, we were at a conference. We are walking down the hall. I met a friend of mine. He said, hey, man, we're about to go be missionaries. I said, that's amazing. We're thinking about being missionaries. He said, man, we've got room on our team. We need another couple. Would you like to come work with us? I said, what are you going to do? And he explained the word. I said, well, that sounds awesome. Let's go do that. So it's like, boom, it just showed up. And I would have never plotted that hmm. a year or two before. Yeah. But in the process of walking with the Lord, the door starts to open, your heart starts to change. So it's the perfect question for you to ask. Unfortunately, the answer actually isn't that complicated. It kind of starts to happen as you start to walk down that pathway. It's like my pastor says, you put your yes on the table, God puts it on the map. When he picks it up and puts it on the map, then it's there. You're like, oh, of course that's where I would go. Okay? Now, let me say this, too, before we move to the next question. Every time I've ever had a situation like that and I thought, I think this is where God's calling me, I'm before I make that decision, I am almost certain it was the right decision. It could be the wrong one, but I'm pretty sure it's the right one. That's real. That's real. And then after I make that decision, I'm 100% yep. certain it was the right decision, right? Because the Bible says that the Lord that the Lord orders your steps. And so you pick up your foot and you're like, God, I'm going to put it down right here. If you don't want me to put it down right here, stop me. God, I'm putting it down. I'm putting here it goes. I'm putting it down right here. There it is. Now you know that's where God led you. Okay. Great question. Next yeah, question. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. How do we apply a missions outlook to our life post-graduation if we aren't going into ministry? Perfect question. Perfect question. Keelan? Yeah, yeah. So there's so, so many answers to this one, but there's a central answer to it, right? Let me get all like kind of heady and theological on you for just a second. There's this document called the Westminster Catechism that talks about the chief end of man, right? The chief end of man, it says, is to glorify God and enjoy him for forever, okay? That's true for all of us. Why do we exist? To glorify God and enjoy him for forever. Here's the thing, though. I actually think the scriptures give us some pretty good direction on the means through which we glorify God and enjoy him for forever. And I think we find it driving ourselves right into the Great Commission, if that makes sense. So if God has given this task to the church and said, go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that you've commanded, and I will be with you to the end of the age, how are we going to glorify him and enjoy him? We lean into that mission and we lean into God's presence by doing so. And so if I'm not going into ministry, I still think my primary operating decision, like the thing that sets my frame 
for whatever task I'm doing, whatever vocation I'm in, has to be how am I going to use all of my life? How am I going to leverage it to make disciples, to make the name of Christ known, uh, to share the gospel with those who have not yet heard or accepted it, and then do all that I can to be about teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded? Um, Now, that's a bit of a vague answer, but the thing I think that's necessary for us in this, this question is getting that on the table first. And then whether or not I'm going into some kind of secular career, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a plumber, I'm going to be a doctor, whatever, like the primary question of your life is how are you going to make disciples and how am I going to leverage whatever it is I'm doing to be able to engage in that task? Yeah, so I would just add one thing real quick and then we'll get to the next question. If you have to get a job somewhere, and you do, because your parents don't want you living on their couch for the rest of your life, and you don't want to live there either, then the question is, where am I going to get a job? What's the determining factor for that first job that I take? Is it that it's closer to home? Is it closer to my friend? Is it closer to the beach? Or is perhaps, do I back up and say, yeah, but there's this place, there's a church plant in this community, maybe Mm -hmm. I could get a job in Boston. Maybe I get a job in New York. Maybe I get a job in Vermont, places that there's a a need for me. So you got to get a job. The question is, what's the driving feature for why you choose that job, where where it is? Rather than it just being, I can make more money, I'm closer to home, I'm you know, further from home, whatever it is that would be that. So that's what we we talk about, letting this Great Commission be a a driving feature for the decisions that you make. Because once you're there, then you begin to live a missional lifestyle where you're leaning into the community, leaning into telling people about Jesus. Okay? Next. We'll let this be the last question. Yep. Hey, guys. So, big question. As you know, being at a seminary and a college, students are entirely and very busy and their priorities are all over the place. How can we, both college leaders and students, uh, be able to make sure that the Great Commission is a priority, particularly believing college students? So if you're the college leader, you keep the Great Commission before your college students because it's first in front of you. Mm. Okay? Our students are going to replicate what we emphasize. So when they see that you're leaning into the Great Commission, then it becomes something they see how to lean into. They're looking for handles on what does this look like? It's one thing for me to stand and preach, and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm about that, but what does that even mean? Then they see it in your life. So then you're leaning in, and then they're leaning in, probably not as extreme as you are, but anytime you ever teach anything, you have to go extreme so somebody can be moderate, right? And so that that would be kind of thing number one. The other thing would be you make it part of your teaching regularly. You know, if you teach through the Bible, you know, every every message, every Bible study, or most of them, you can have a mission or evangelistic hook in there. Hey, look, this is what it means for the nations. This is what it means for missions, which then instructs our students how to read the Bible for themselves so they begin to see God's mission and the evangelistic outreach that's in the Bible. And that begins to shape the way that they are formed spiritually. So that would be kind of the two-pronged answer if I'm the leader. If I'm the college student, how do I keep mission always in front of me? I think that you are, are doing a similar thing. 
like anything else in your life, the way that you keep it in front of you is it becomes a priority that you kind of schedule in and think about. So as you mm-hmm. as you have your quiet time, uh, as you pray each day, have a list of lost people that you're praying for or countries that you're praying through. You lead your students to, to go to the Joshua Project or the IMB's website to have a prayer list that would send you regular prayer updates for missionaries and for people who, uh, you know, people who, who are asking for prayer for different people groups. You get that, you pray through it, your mind stays hot and fresh. You're praying for lost people in your community. How do I keep that in, in front of me? I, I'm spending time with, with unbelievers. And so keeping these things fresh helps me prioritize my life for, uh, you know, where it is that, uh, that God's trying to shape my heart. So I think on the leader side, it's about the way that I'm living, the, the, the way that I'm teaching on the student side, it's about making simple decisions that kind of form my everyday decisions and habits. And once we get in the habit of thinking and being missional, it's a lot easier. Right? The momentum of one thing carries you over the momentum of another. If my momentum is go home in the afternoon, play video games, see how many Cheetos I can eat, uh, and how many ice cream, you know, buckets of ice cream I can that's my momentum. If my momentum, on the other hand, is, uh, you know, spending time with people so that I can pray with them, sharing the gospel with lost people, reading my Bible in the morning with a missional bent, that begins to shape my thoughts and patterns for rhythms. Buckets of ice cream? Buckets. All right. Uh, So there's one real quick thing I'm going to add to what uh, Scott just said. So there's this perceived zero-sum way that we tend to approach our time where it's, oh, I've got all these things I've already got to do. I got my homework. I got all these responsibilities. I got my job, whatever. How am I going to add one more thing? And I'm sitting, being told here, I need to be out sharing the gospel with people and all this stuff. The question is not, how do I add yet another thing to my schedule? The question is, how do I do the things I'm already doing with a level of gospel intentionality? So if I've got to be in class with people, how am I making sure they know I'm a Christian and having an opportunity to share the gospel with them? If I gotta be at work, how am I using opportunities to talk to my coworkers? If I've got to go to the grocery store to get that, why am I not going to this grocery store where I think I have a better opportunity of talking to somebody? So the question is not do more when it comes to making this a priority. The question is do what I've already got to do, but do so with a level of gospel intentionality that says I, I need to be making sure the gospel is coming out of my lips every opportunity I have for it to do so. Uh, great question. In fact, you guys did a great job. Thank you all so much for participating with us. Give yourselves a hand, our live studio audience. And if you are listening at home, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Scent Life. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you want to. You can find us on the website at thecgcs.org or reach out by email at cgcs.org at sebts.edu. Feel free to share this with others, and you can uh, subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, And thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, this is The Sit Line. Southeastern understands that you have a strategic and valuable role to play in getting the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. That's why we offer over 40 degrees at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral levels to equip you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Visit sebts.edu to learn more.